Hey friends, it's me, Katie Ann, and your host to the Full Confidence Ahead podcast, where we go on a journey together tackling the fears of life from family relationships to finance, from careers to community. Today, I'm excited to introduce to you Tyler Emini. Tyler worked on the business side of Broadway as a marketer, producer, stage manager, and talent wrangler spanning from everything from cabaret shows to Broadway musicals. He has produced multiple concerts and stage readings and worked on two original Broadway musicals assisting their lead producers' offices in the process of bringing them to Broadway. Now, after some life evaluation, Tyler has changed careers and is currently studying law at UCLA. His process, you guys, of changing careers and shifting from the big Broadway stage to a law office has been fascinating, and I'm excited to have this conversation. Tyler, we are thrilled to have you here on the show. So you have quite a unique journey. You have been in Utah, New York, now you're all the way on the other side of the country doing law. And this journey has taken you kind of through the development of what you're going to do in your professional career. Can you just kind of start us off of what does this journey look like to you? <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, my journey, I mean, I, during high school, I really enjoyed theater and the arts. And I also was, you know, very studious. I was in the IB program, did all that stuff. Uh, and so when deciding where I wanted to go for college, I kind of was like, I don't know what I want to do. I have a wide range of interests. I like a lot of things. Where do I want to be? And I wanted to be in New York. I wanted to be around theater. I wanted to be around business. I was just curious. So I applied to NYU, uh, ended up applying for their business school kind of just on a whim. I didn't really know if I wanted to do business, but it seemed like something that I could kind of like turn anything into business. Uh, and so applied for the business school, got in, uh, and just kind of, you know, decided to go all the way and try it out. So headed to New York, got to business school. Turns out NYU business school is very finance focused. Uh, everybody wanted to work on Wall Street or work for investment banks and that wasn't my jam. So pretty early on, I, I kind of pivoted and was working doing like marketing stuff. Ended up getting an internship for a social media company that was also bringing a new show to Broadway. I want to pause, though. That new show for our listeners happened to be... Dun, dun, dun. Nope, we're not there yet. <laughs> oh, I thought it was the big show. Okay, well, later no. on, you guys will know yeah. a really cool show that Tyler got to work on. Okay, what was the show, though? The, the, the first show I worked on was a, was Allegiance. It was a musical about okay. Japanese-American internment camps during World War II, uh, starring George okay. Takei, Leia Salonga, and Telly Leung. What's up, George, Leia, and Telly? <laughs> So cool. Later on, you guys will hear a big reveal of another show that's kind of a buzz show right now that Tyler got to work on, but we'll get there. Okay, yeah. keep going with your story. Yeah, so that after, after that job where I did a lot of social media stuff and I did a lot of, uh, you know, working on the marketing and working for the producer of the show, uh, I got interested in the business side of Broadway, picked up a couple other jobs working for the Broadway League, which runs the Tony Awards, and working for Ju Jamson, which is a theater owner. Uh, and then... I ended up uh, applying for and getting a job for the lead producer of Dear Evan Hansen right before That's that show came show. to Broadway. <laughs> That's the big show, you guys. He was helping and there with Dear Evan Hansen, which is like a big deal right now, especially with that big mm -hmm. new movie release. 
Yeah, yeah. It's it it really blew up too. We you know, when we started on Dear Evan Hansen, I don't think anybody expected it to be the level of success that it was. It's been exciting to to watch that just kind of go wild. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to stop right here in the middle of your story. And I want to dig into a couple elements before we go on, because I want to first dig into the move from Utah to New York. Like that, that's a big shift. That Mm -hmm. that's a huge shift. That's across the country. How was that for you? It was hard. I mean, it was, I going to New York, I knew one person and it was my cousin who was 12 years older than me and was working at a lawyer was very busy. Like, so I, I, had that at the beginning of like knowing nobody in the city. And then on top of that, I, it was a huge culture shock. And suddenly it's this, you know, bustling city. There's something to do everywhere. Most of my friends had like drank during high school. Like it was, it was just, it was a lot to, to try to figure out, uh, you know, where I fit into this new situation. Oh, completely. I love how you address too. Like you had had this dream, like the, the dream kind of is for a lot of people is move to the big city, kind of do do the thing, right? Go go and be on Broadway or whatever your dream is in the big city. But that shift, I love how you actually mentioned was was difficult. Like the actual mm-hmm. the culture shock, the differences, and this could be this isn't necessarily just Utah to New York. It could be even from big city to little town. It could be Absolutely. from one state to another. Like that shift in general. Mm-hmm. So how did you help yourself through that transition time? Um, I think one of the big things was just mentally putting myself in a state because I, I usually like I'm good at chatting with people, but I don't love going up to somebody and like trying to make an introduction and, you know, immediately befriend somebody. I like I like having an in. I like somebody introduces me at a party. And then as soon as I've got the in, I'm good at conversation. But I get nervous going up to just talk to people. But I, when I when I know I have to do it, I can put myself in this mode of just like telling myself when I wake up this morning, like, OK we're going to make friends today. Like it's today's going to be a day where we're going to say yes to everything. We're going to make friends. We're going to find new people. We're going to, you know, try new interests, whatever. And that's kind of what I did in, in New York was just, you know, the, my closest friends from New York still to this day are people that I met on my floor freshman year. It's because that first week I said, okay, like I'm going to make friends, whether, whether it's hard for me or not, like whether it's going to be out of my comfort zone or not, I'm going to make friends today. Uh, and just, you know, going up and making myself talk to people and making myself find common interests and, you know, or trying something that I didn't know about, even if it wasn't an interest, uh, that, you know, that, that is hard to do, but you just like putting myself in the mindset of, I know this is hard, but we're going to do it today. That, that got me through it a lot. That is a huge principle. I have on my, my lock screen on my phone. I have it right here. It says mindset is everything. And so you just started the day totally setting yourself up for success. Cause we can acknowledge like the shift is hard. It's yep. just, that is it. It's hard to shift in any transition in life, but you started mm-hmm. off the day saying, okay, I'm going to make friends today. And I think those I am statements that we say to ourselves in our head actually are way more powerful than we realize. Don't you think? Absolutely. I think, I think so much is about mindset. Like if, if you, one, one thing that I heard once is if you are having a bad day, you should splash water on your face because it's something that a lot of people do in the morning or at night. And it's a good, like your body is used to that being something to kind of reset yourself. And so just by splashing water on your face, you can kind of like, it gives you a good break moment in the day to be like, all right, now the rest of the day starts. 
and so I, I, you know, I took that from the beginning of the day, but then if I was ever, you know, if I'm ever having a, a day that I'm just like not in it or like I, you know, something gets me off, whether it's, you know, almost, almost getting hit by a taxi while I'm crossing the street and now I'm just cross or, you know, something, something bad happened in class. I gave a stupid answer. Like just, just, you know, taking a second, centering yourself, letting it all go, trying to do whatever you can for that and saying, okay, my, the rest of today starts now and trying to segment that it's all mindset, but it helps. That idea of resetting is actually really powerful because you admitted there and that this is so great and transparent that we all get off, you know, oh, yeah. you're, you're a really successful person, but you even just said right there, like you, you have off days, you know, I have off days, we all have off moments, but if you have something that you've developed and said, okay, this is my routine that resets me. For example, that, that splashing water on your face. I'm going to try that one now. That That's a really interesting one because you're right. It is it's, something we do typically morning and night, you know? It's great. You should give it a shot. I've I found it's very helpful to just, if I'm in a funk, just splash, especially cold water, just some cold water on your face and it can re reset your mental state. That is so cool. Having these mental resets, that is just like a power tool for your life because inevitably we're going to face circumstances that you're uncomfortable, you're you're not feeling good, but to have in your toolbox a reset button is so powerful. So I love that you that you dug that out. So that's so interesting with your transition. So a huge part of that was mindset for you. Absolutely. And one thing I want to say about that too is I, I think being able to reset is very important and having that in your toolbox and knowing when to use it is very important. But I think something that's just as important and almost gets overlooked in that kind of situation is sometimes if you're having a bad day, let yourself have a bad day. Like I've definitely had days where I'm like, you know what? Today's not my day. I'm going to, I'm going to get some cookie dough ice cream and I'm not going to do homework tonight. And doing that, like making the, instead of like letting yourself kind of sink into this, like, anxiety state the whole evening of like, I don't know what, you know, I, I, I feel like I should be doing something, but I don't want to do something. Making the active choice to say, you know what? It's a bad day. That can be just as helpful of a mental exercise to make the rest of your week good. And it's, it's about, you know, learning when is the right time to, to force yourself to try and when is the right time to say, no, I need to take a step back. I need to do some mental health and we'll hit it hard tomorrow. That's so interesting, especially coming from you, because you have this Broadway background, like you literally mm-hmm. were working on Broadway where, where the mantra is the show must go on, right? But uh, you still yep. realize that there there's this balance. There's some times where you need to splash yourself in the face and you keep going, but you've also developed this noticing your, your inner awareness saying, you know what? No, I need to stop. This is a time where I need to like just take the time. <laughs> I, when you said that, like, today's the day I just needed to have cookie dough ice cream. I'm like, oh, for me, yeah. <laughs> I definitely play the Shania Twain up song. <laughs> she has a up, up, up. Can it literally can only go up from there. Yeah. <laughs> That's my go-to for, for those days. So I, I love that you admitted that there, there's times that we need to push the reset button and there's times that you just embrace where you are and say, okay, like taking that self-aware mental health check is going to actually help me be more productive in the rest mm-hmm. of the week rather than pushing through right there. Yeah, I love yeah, that. And I want, absolutely. Yeah, please. No, I, yeah, I, I just think you, it, it, it's important to be able to do that mental reset sometimes, but if you make that mental reset your only coping mechanism, then you're not actually addressing the problems that you're facing during the days. And so sometimes when you have a situation where you're having a bad day, and you know, like having a bad day today isn't going to be the end of all things. 
take that break. And that's uh, like, it's interesting you mentioned the Broadway thing of like the show must go on. I think some of that I learned working on Broadway because, you know, Broadway has this whole amazing system of understudies and swings and whatever. So it's important, you know, for the, for the big actors to know, like, this is a night that I might not be feeling my best or I might not be singing my best, but I can push through it. And then knowing some nights, they'll just be like, I can't do it tonight. And it's important that I take this rest so that I can do it for the rest of this week and my understudy can go on. I think a lot of the time we get, we get caught up in our own narrative and think like the world is going to fall apart if I take a break from being in the world for a second. But if you, if you take a day off, the world's going to keep on spinning. You know, you might, you might get a bad score in an assignment, but that professor will probably be fine. You might need to talk to your boss, but you know, your boss will probably be understanding because they've had days like this too. Just, you know, letting yourself have a little slack sometimes to make up for those times when you're pushing yourself. You know, that's so interesting. I, I kind of want to dig into this behind the scenes of Broadway and behind <laughs> the scenes of Dear Evan Hansen, but you mentioned, and I didn't even think about it, Broadway has this this background like safety net of you have mm-hmm. understudies, you have this whole system, because I think my perspective of Broadway has been the show must go on, like no matter mm-hmm. what, it happens. But I hadn't had the perspective, you know, there's a whole safety net of, hey, we also understand that life happens, which when you see the big production, you don't necessarily think about that. So mm-hmm. Broadway probably actually understands that a little bit, that balance of life that maybe we need to put into perspective too. have our network of understudies or when things go awry to to have our reset buttons, our, our days off as well. So that's a really interesting thing. So give us a little bit more insight of, what is it like to be on Broadway? Because I think we maybe have some some false ideas or not the whole perspective. So give us the insider's debrief. It was it was very cool being able to work on Broadway. So my Broadway career, uh, again, it was all behind the scenes, but I, I worked doing marketing social media for Allegiance. I worked um, for a theater owner for a summer. I worked for Dear Evan Hansen, and then I worked for the Broadway League. Uh, which runs things like the Tony Awards, the, the National High School Musical Theater Awards, a bunch of uh, social outreach programs, things like that. Um, and it's it's one of those things like, have you ever heard the phrase, like, you don't want to know how the sausage is made? No, I've explained it. I've never heard that. Like, if it, it's like a hot dog is very fun to eat until you watch a hot dog get made and know what's inside it. And then suddenly okay, it might yeah. not be as appealing. Yeah, a lot of, that's that's true for a lot of people when you go into these dream careers is you know you like I got to Broadway and it, it it's not all glitz and glam all the time like it is very cool I mean there's a lot of things that are amazing about it I love you know theater can change lives I think theater's changed a lot of lives um, and so many good people working on Broadway but there is this this kind of hustle culture mentality of everything is about who you know and everything is about you know what you know like how like what connections you have all this kind of thing. And it doesn't always reward, I would say, you know, the people that are working hard. And it hasn't always been good about being being an open place for certain communities. It's always been like Broadway's been a great place for the for the LGBTQ plus community. But I think like it's only recently that Broadway's kind of having a racial reckoning of like, oh, are we doing enough to support these communities or or, uh, you know, producers like Scott Rudin are getting taken out of Broadway because they have been abusive to their assistants for years. And those were like the, the Scott Rudin stuff was all stuff that was kind of public knowledge within the Broadway interns community for years. Like we all knew that he, you know, threw things at his, at his interns or that he was ridiculous to work with. And that was just kind of part of working on Broadway. 
was you got to pay your dues. You've got to have some terrible jobs where people are awful to you. And eventually you'll, you'll, you know, work your way up to something better. That's so interesting. Cause like we all have these dreams and sometimes when you get the dream or you get the dream mm-hmm. job, it's different than what you thought. So mm-hmm. you've kind of taken that now you worked on Broadway and then how did you deal with that dream changing? It was difficult. I mean, I remember when I moved to New York, one thing that I kind of mentally said to myself, I went and, you know, I went and saw a show my first week or whatever in New York. And I said, I'm going to be in a Broadway playbill someday. My name is going to be a Broadway playbill someday. And in my head at that point as a freshman in college, I was like, that's going to be something that'll happen when I'm 60. Like I'm going to have a full career. And then once I've saved up enough money, I'll figure out a way to get my name in a Broadway playbill. And instead I had my name in a Broadway playbill by my junior year of college. And then I had wow. to reset and say, okay, uh, I got my name in a Broadway playbill. Now I'm going to work on a Tony Award winning show. That's my next goal. And I, again, I worked on Dear Evan Hansen and I, that, that won its Tony the summer after I graduated college. And so I kind of had to do another reset of like, all right, so now that I've, I've started doing some of the things I want to, and the next step for me at that point was I would love to produce. But another, another area that Broadway's got problems is the people that produce are the people with money or the people that know people with money that can get money from them. And so if you, if you aren't rich or you're not surrounded by rich people, it's hard to produce. Uh, and so I kind of said, okay, so I can either wait 40 years to be at a place where I can produce or I can try to try to pivot. Uh, and so that's a lot of what led me to going into law was being like, you know, I, I achieved some of the things that I wanted to achieve. And then looking at what's next, I said, okay, so what's next is either a long time of stagnation or, you know, trying to pivot. My favorite thing each week is just to listen to the stories of these incredible people on the podcast. They give me confidence in all areas of my life. The Full Confidence Ahead sponsor, Utah Money Moms, has boosted my financial confidence. I remember the first time I heard about them on YouTube, I just found this video about tracking your expenses they had done, and it was so simple and confidence building that I went to their website and started downloading as much material as I could. Make sure you head over to utahmoneymoms.com after this episode to sign up for their free webinars on all financial topics from the basics of budgeting to estate planning. I like this idea of pivot. I want to just lean on in that a little bit because sometimes we're so holding on to these dreams so much and either we do them or, or it doesn't necessarily work out and, and pivoting can be hard and it can also be, it can be terrifying once you've like done your dream and you're like, wait, so now what? So talk us through a little bit of your pivoting process. So about Around 2019, I was starting to to feel like I was stagnating in Broadway. I wasn't growing as much as I'd wanted to. I was enjoying what I was doing. I was working at the Broadway League. I was interviewing a lot of different, you know, Broadway actors and writers and directors for little video content things we would make. And that was always really cool. I would get to work on events like the Tony Awards, the Jimmy Awards, and that was all really fun. But it's the kind of thing of like, it's New York is a very fun place to be when you're when you're young when you like don't care that you're an hour subway ride outside the city or sharing a tiny apartment or whatever. And then as you start to get a little older, you, you know, and especially if you ha- like, I had a lot of friends that were at the business school that started getting really good jobs and making a lot of money and they would want to, you know, go out to nice restaurants at night. And I would have to be like, I, I can't afford that. You know, I'm, I'm, I, cause Broadway doesn't pay great. Uh, so there's this combination of like, I felt like I was stagnating skills wise 
I felt like I was not making as much as I was worth. And I had just kind of done everything that I had wanted to do at that point on Broadway, where I started to consider going to law school. And then, because law, law was something I've always had an interest in. Uh, you know, I took a couple law classes in undergrad just to, to kind of introduce myself to them. Um, and I think law is very theatrical in nature anyway. So I think my theater background helps with that. But they're just, they're, they're hit a point where I was like, maybe I should switch to law school. And then the pandemic hit and Broadway, for all intents and purposes, died for a year and a half. And so everything blew up. All of the admin people at my level at pretty much every company working on Broadway got let go. Uh, a lot of those positions disappeared and will probably be gone for years. And I was kind of like, all right, this is, you know, this is the universe saying it's time to time to move on and start that next chapter and we can come back to Broadway later. You know, that's that's really a, a lesson of resilience. And I think we all need that. And even with our dreams, sometimes it like we can accept that they change. You know, sometimes you achieve it and sometimes you need to come back to it later. And that's okay. It's okay that along the path, our dreams change, that they're morphing. It doesn't have to be one big, huge vision at the end of the year of your life, but it can be small dreams along the way. And some can be held for later and some are done earlier than you thought, but always having this idea of what, what your next dream or being able to be resilient in those dreams and saying, you know what, let's, let's pivot this way. And, and that idea that you were talking about it being stagnant, I think you had a lot of courage. It's easy just to be stagnant and to be comfortable, but you said, okay, I'm, I'm not progressing. So now what? And just even noticing that is, that's a big deal just to recognize in ourselves, hey, I'm stagnant, so what should I do? And that can be going to law school. It can be joining a local book club. It can be literally going to the library and checking out a new book that on a topic that you've been interested in. It can be, it can be anything to get yourself out of that stagnant zone. But just the fact that you recognize that is a big deal. I want to digress just a little bit and I want to go back to Dear Evan Hansen because I think this is an interesting topic (laughs) for people. Give us a little bit of the insides of what was this like to be on Dear Evan Hansen? It was, it was nuts. I mean, I, I saw the show when it was in DC, uh, just on a random, I was going to see a friend in like a metal production of Sweeney Todd that he was doing in DC. And I was there for one day and we saw that production and me and my friend James saw Dear Evan Hansen at night. And after seeing it in DC, I went, I want to work on this show. Uh, it was, I, I loved it. I related to the message. I related to the characters. I thought it was great. And so I, you know, I sent a, sent a cold email to Stacy Minish productions at gmail.com or whatever the email was just being like, hi, I don't see any posted internships, but I would love to work for you. Here's my resume. Let me know. And, you know, they brought me in for an interview after they saw that and they hired me. It was a, a really cool thing to be able to work on a show that I had seen and thought like, this is going to be a great show. But it was like, it was unheard of. I would tell people that I was working on Dear Evan Hansen and they, you know, they'd be like, I'm sorry, what is that? I've never, like, it, nobody knew it until, like, it opened on Broadway. Even to the point where I, I remember I was, I was chatting with our, our producer one day and she was joking around a little bit and she was like, Tyler, I hope you have friends that want to see the show in January because we have empty seats, we might want to fill a little bit. And I was like... Because seat, seat filling is very common with Broadway shows because, you know, you want you want fuller houses and you want to spread good word of mouth, especially when you're previews. And so I, I was like telling all my friends like, oh, you guys yeah, like get tickets if you can afford them. But if you can't, I can get you in. And then the show blew up like we didn't wow. mix, like we were sold out for so long. It was insane. The, the amount because I, I think we all thought like this is a good show. It could get some Tony's consideration. It could get some love there. 
but I don't think we expected it to turn into this, you know, national phenomenon that it did. I didn't realize that you had totally cold emailed them and been like, hey, I'm your man. Like, let me in on this show. I That's mm-hmm. a really cool thing to me because there wasn't necessarily an internship posted. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. we need to create the opportunities. Sometimes we're seeking opportunities. But sometimes you just need to be bold enough to ask and create an opportunity. I remember one of my first jobs, I did the same thing. They were looking for, it it was a food hostess. And frankly, I had no food experience. So I'd applied and they had just Mm -hmm. totally pushed my resume aside. But I walked in and just said, hello, I'm here for an interview. I basically invited myself in. They gave me the job on the spot just because if you're willing to seek for it, a lot of people are going to give the opportunity to you. So I think that's a really cool principle you just taught us right there is sometimes you create the opportunity. You don't just look for one, but you create one. Like you have to be bold enough just to be like, Hey. Absolutely. And, and I think one of the things that gets in the way of people doing that is this kind of imposter syndrome thing that I think almost all of us nowadays have. Uh, and I think of, of like, Oh, who am I to be asking for this? Or who am I to like be imposing like this? Uh, and that's that's something that I think people you you need to be able to put yourself in other people's shoes when you're starting to feel that way. I think imposter syndrome is a, is a huge problem for a lot of people our age. And I think the more you think in the terms of like, if somebody did this to me, what would I think about it? It can really help like get over those imposter syndromes to me. Like with your situation, like if you've been working at a restaurant and somebody said, hey, I'd like to interview you wouldn't you wouldn't be like, oh, this person. You'd be like, oh, OK, cool. Whereas I think some people might think, oh, I'm going to be imposing by going there. Like, you're, if you don't feel like you would be imposing on yourself, why do you think that this person has less patience than you do? Like, assume the best, give it a shot, what's it going to hurt? You know, that's really interesting. I think a lot of times we don't put ourselves in the other people's shoes, but I, I think about it at times when I probably felt uncomfortable in certain circumstances. If I put myself in the shoes of the other person, I would have been thrilled if that girl mm-hmm. walked through the door and gave me their resume, you know? that I love your perspective right there. And and this comes right back down to like social interactions too of like, there's the, all the time, I'll, I'll think to myself like, oh, I shouldn't text that person. I've been texting them too much. Or, oh, that person isn't going to want to hang out. And then if I think about it, I'm like, no, no, no. We hung out two weeks ago. And if it was me, if they asked me, I'd be thrilled right now to be hanging out two weeks later. Like, why, why am I assuming that other people, especially my friends, are less patient or are, you know, more fed up than I, like, I should give them the benefit of the doubt. I shouldn't be so hard on myself and I shouldn't be so hard on my friends. You know, that idea of giving the benefit of the doubt is something that's so beautiful. We just, I think it's not necessarily always at least it's not in my nature always where I'm like, oh, I think they thought this, but I should give them the benefit of the doubt. They weren't thinking that way about what I said or, you know. And, and it's hard to do because you are, you're like overcoming your own little internal thoughts that are, you know, have been there your whole life. And so I, you know, I still plenty of times will let that internal doubt get to me, but it's, you know, trying to have that active mindset of trying to remind yourself like, okay, what would, what would they actually think right now so that you're not being too hard on yourself or on them? You know, that's interesting. I think probably the person we talk to the most in the day and we don't think about it is ourself. So our Mm -hmm. internal dialogue is always happening and we can either choose. And I think those doubts just always come in. They're there, but you Mm -hmm. can either choose to engage with them either in a positive or a negative way or just ignore them. Right. And I think if you engage with them saying like, hey, no, wait a minute. 
what are you saying? We can actually have this healthier inner dialogue rather than just ignoring them because they'll eventually take effect or engaging in a negative way. So if we kind of stop those thoughts and even just straight up recognize like, hey, I'm having a thought. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. And that was wrong. And just even uh-huh. saying that is like so <laughs> yeah. powerful, right? Yeah, totally. I completely agree. Yeah, that's so interesting. So tell us a little bit as as we're kind of wrapping up here. I just want to get a little bit of a hint of how is it transitioning now into law school? You did a huge transition to go mm-hmm. to New York, but how is this transition going to law school? You literally went across the country again mm-hmm. and in a totally different environment again. And now you're starting law school, totally different thing. Uh it hasn't been that bad this time. I think a lot of it is, you know, I've grown up a little since then. I, I'm more comfortable in my own skin. I, I, you know, am more confident and know what I'm doing. Uh, but I think also there's this thing that you you go through once you've left school and are working in the real world for a couple of years where you realize it's so hard to make friends in the real world, like because there's just not opportunities for it. And so getting honestly getting to go back to school and just have, you know, a hundred people that are like in the same boat as me of like, all right, we're in a new place. We're looking for new people. We're, we're making new connections. Like that, that was very fun and exciting for me to be like, all right, wait, I can, I can reset myself. I can, I can be who I want to be in, in New York. When I moved from Utah to New York, I think it was very much a, I'm ready to find myself in New York. Moving from New York to LA was very much a, I feel like I've found myself, but there are some things from my old, from old versions of me that are still sticking around because I, you know, I see people that knew those old versions of me and they come out or, you know, old, old worries come out. Coming out here, it's a blank slate and I can just confidently be, you know, who I've developed myself to be. I like that you've admitted that you've developed yourself to be, because isn't that the whole purpose while we're here? We're, we're trying to change, right? We want to mm-hmm. grow and allowing yourself to be like, you know what? I, I am different. And I hope I, I hope I am after all those experiences I had, you know, you've had mm-hmm. incredible experiences, both hard and wonderful that have molded you for the better. Mm-hmm. So letting yourself kind of shaking off the old and stepping into the new sometimes can be difficult, but also embracing who you've become is one of the most beautiful things of life. So I really like that you said that. And I think maybe the transition was easier. One, because you've kind of grown to know yourself, but two, that you've practiced transition. Like you, Mm -hmm. you went through transition. You already had those skills that that we talked about earlier, the reset button, you, you knew those things. So when you're transitioning again, it was a little bit easier with that. So it's really interesting. So I want to ask you a little question that we always ask everyone on the podcast. And that is, what is one piece of advice that you would give your younger self to boost your confidence? Okay. Uh, well, so one, th- one thing I want to ask as a caveat to this question, one piece of advice that I think my younger self would actually listen to, or just a piece <laughs> of advice? Oh, I, you know what? Tell us one thing that your younger self would listen to. That That's interesting because a piece of advice is great, but it's not like our younger versions would always accept that. So I like well, that. That's like, you know, I've learned a lot of life lessons and if I, but half of them, if I were to say like, hey, 16 year old Tyler, like you, you just need to remember that nothing that's going on right now is going to have that much of an effect on your long run future. Like that doesn't help 16 year old Tyler. 16 year old Tyler isn't going to stop worrying about everything because I say like, hey, it's going to be fine. I, I think the, the biggest thing that I wish my younger self had known would have, would have been kind of what we were talking about earlier of like, whenever you're doubting yourself, 
like whenever you you are feeling less than or feeling like you don't belong or feeling like an imposter like think about it from the other people's perspective as if they were you because you're you're going to be your harshest critic and you're going to be the hardest on yourself and you're not going to be you know for most people i think at least you're not going to be looking for the negatives in other people and so i think you forget that people forget that a lot where they'll they'll treat themselves as if they need to meet the most judgmental standards of everybody else and treat everybody else with you know freedom to do whatever they want because they just want to be nice to them and it's like you if you're if you're willing to treat everybody else like they would have to do something really wrong to hurt you why are you not treating yourself with that same respect why aren't you allowing yourself to to follow that same that same path so i think that would be it that's a really good point i love that you kind of went back in and just solidified the point we had talked about earlier of of truly being non-judgmental of ourselves because we, I think we are our harshest critics, even <laughs> the critics on Broadway. We're probably even harsher <laughs> on ourselves than, than Broadway critics um, mm-hmm. and recognizing that and embracing who we are. So I, I love the points that you've given us today. And also I, I really enjoyed what you talked about transitions because you've gone through some major ones in your life. You've also gone through mm-hmm. some major ones with getting the dream having the dream shut down in a pandemic and totally pivoting. And you've given us some transitional pieces of what we can do. And and our, I hope our podcast listeners can can recognize and understand as they're listening to this, this doesn't just apply to moving across the country. This is transitions such as becoming a parent or getting married or starting a new job. These are just or transitions. Even- even little social things, you know, if, if you're, if you're having trouble finding, if, if you're not happy with where you're at, as far as finding a relationship, if you need to like have a hard conversation with a roommate, if you, you know, there, there are lots of little things that you're, you're going to do the same thing and have to go through a, a smaller transition, but still a transition. I totally agree. Yeah, these transitions don't have to be big to be meaningful, right? And they can be difficult on small levels or big levels. But now we have some I'm walking away from with some tangible things I can do when I have a transition. So thank you for coming on, Tyler. We have enjoyed our time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hope I didn't talk too much. (laughs) You talked the perfect amount and gave us a little insight Uh. on Broadway. So we loved it. (laughs) Thank you. I think a lot of times the feeling of fear comes from a lack of control in our lives. And our sponsor, PowerPay, is offering a money master course that's normally $40 for free to all Full Confidence Ahead podcast listeners so you can take control of your finances this year. The course is video-based and gives you real-life money smarts. So to claim your course, go to extensioncourses.usu.edu slash Pal, which is K-A-T-I-E-A-N-N-P-O-W-E-L-L, and it'll automatically add the money master course to your cart and you just click check out and you'll get it for free. You can also access your course by going to extensioncourses.usu.edu and finding the Money Master course under the finance category, then using the code KATIEANN, K-A-T-I-E-A-N-N, with no spaces, to claim your $40 discount and free course at checkout. So let's master our money together. Thanks for listening in on the Full Confidence Ahead podcast. Weekly on Tuesdays, we'll continue our journey of confidence together through new interviews and insights. Make sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on the latest conversations and confidence boosts. And by the way, you got this because you deserve to live life full confidence ahead. See you next week.